All right. So we're in our ser- uh, sermon series, Real. I have, a, um, I have a guy texting me right now. It's this guy. Have you guys ever, like, you're about to do something in front of a bunch of people and someone tries to text you? Anyone here have that problem? Just me? Okay. Um, I'll just keep that to myself then. Uh, but anyways, uh, we are in the series titled Real. Can everyone say Real this morning? We're in a series called Real. Real is actually an acronym uh, for all you note takers out there. Uh, Real stands for this. Real stands for Relevant Fishermen. We talked about that two weeks ago. Last week, we talked about engaging influencers. Um, We talked about someone that I never thought I would talk about, Kylie Jenner, during that sermon. And so if you want to wonder, like, why we talk about that, check out the sermon. It's really, really good. Authentic Witnesses. And then lastly is Life-Giving Farmers, And when we launched this, we started with relevant fishermen. And we talked about that Jesus Christ actually had, out of his 12 disciples, seven of them were commercial fishermen by trade. That's what they did for a job. And uh, we believe that, you know, it wasn't by coincidence. It wasn't like Jesus was like, oh, no, who do I have to use as my disciples? There's no one. I guess you guys out there fishing, you can help me out. Um, but, no, we believe Jesus was very intentional on why he went out to these commercial fishermen and asked them to come follow him. And so we looked, uh, we studied at that and we looked at it and then we came to this conclusion that maybe it was because of their skill of fishing for fish. As Jesus said, he was going to teach them how to fish for men. And so we just looked at some very simple fishing concepts on how we can use as we are fishers of men and women in our community. Uh, last week, we talked about engaging influencers. Uh, we looked at Matthew chapter six. We talked about how we are salt of the earth and light of Jesus in this world. And I believe it was a great message and I really enjoyed preaching. I had a blast preaching it. Um, but if you missed out, you can catch up on everything at therockmp.com um, because really this message is strategic. This whole message series uh, is strategic. Uh, we are really, we're, we're commissioning you and ourselves too, is we were wondering what if, what would happen if each of us would focus on one person this new school year and pray for them, be with them, do life with them, and really reach them for the kingdom of Christ. What could happen, not just to the Rock Church, but actually to our community, what would happen as we, as, as salt of the earth and the light of God, what would happen if we would be intentional about this coming school year, about reaching someone for Christ? Because really, let's just be honest, and myself included, we're not the most intentional Christians, are we? I mean, we come here on Sundays and we do the Sunday deal and then we kind of pack it up and then we say, we'll see you next Sunday, Jesus. I've done the exact same thing, even as the pastor, I've done that. And say, okay, we'll see you next Sunday. And then we get back at it. And through uh, Monday through Saturday, it's kind of our time, right? Like, don't bother me. I'm at work. I'm on vacation. I'm doing my thing. Uh, this is my life. And, and maybe, you know, if you're a good Christian, like you start with the devotional and you pray and do those things. But we really miss out the biggest commission that Jesus Christ himself gave us. And that was what, church? To go out into all the world, preach the gospel, right? That is what Jesus has called us to do. And we're going to be looking at here a very important scripture that talks about who exactly, who are we as Christ followers? What is our identity? What is our job while we're here on this earth? And so, again, the question was that I had is like, what would happen to our church if we just focus on one person that doesn't know Jesus, or maybe they were at a church and got hurt by the church, or maybe they're just far away from church in general? What would happen if we would go out and just reach them for Jesus? 
Well, I can tell you what happens. We see it all the time where, where Jesus encounters someone and Jesus does life with them. We're going to be talking about the woman at the well here towards the later. But more times than not, that person has a transformational conversation with Jesus. And not only do they get saved, but you'll see actually there is a pattern where not only they get saved, but they're so excited by what happened in their life. They go to their community and they tell everyone what happened. You know what happens in that community? You know what happens? The community gets saved. In short, if we would focus during this school year, focus on one person reaching them for Jesus Christ, revival could happen in North Platte. That's a very good place for us Pentecostals to say amen at, and you missed it. Very good place right there. But that's my heart as the pastor. I, I, I don't want to be a church where we just come here on Sundays and say, yeah, that's great. I'll see you next Sunday. Uh, really, if I can be honest, that would make my job a lot easier if we did that. But I can tell you our job as Christians is not a life of ease, but a life of we're going to go out and live a sacrificial life just as Jesus did for us so that those who are lost could be found. Amen, church? I mean, that is our job as Christians. That is our job as Jesus followers. And so today we're talking about being an authentic witness. Authentic witness is the third part of this series. And if you can turn to your Bibles, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. If you don't have your Bibles, don't worry. We got them on the screens in the worship guides. And we got free Bibles back there if you want to grab one on your way out. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Um, as you do, I want to show you some funny pics of some clever signs. Don't, put, don't throw them up there yet, Kane. I will cue you in on those. Um, they, sh they should be up there. Give me a thumbs up if you got those pictures, though. You see them back there? Okay, I can't remember if I got them. It's been a really, really fast week. Um, but uh, how many of you guys know, I don't know if you guys have seen these, um, but churches, our church doesn't. We had one. Um, but a lot of churches would have marquee signs in front of their th deal. And they would have, like, maybe, like, the message of, like, you know, Pastor Vaughn preaching on John 316, you know, trying to really get out to the, to the community uh, what this church is doing. And, but now churches have started this trend where they've gotten really, really clever with their signs. And I want to show you a few of them. I'm going to read them. And it's okay to laugh at these. It's okay to laugh, okay? Don't get offended. Um, but sh show them the first one, Kate. I want to show them the first one up there. Uh, this is by Community Church. It says, now is a good time to visit our pastors on vacation. Uh, <laughs> I already took my vacation, so you guys are out of luck. Uh, show, them, show them the next one. Uh, Holy Trinity Roman Catholic Church, that's a long name, uh, says this, too hot to keep changing the sign, sin bad, Jesus good, details inside. Um, yeah, so that was, <laughs> you think by the end of that, he would have been able to actually put the message on there. Uh, show, show them the third one, this gets better. Faith Baptist Church says, I hate this church, Satan. Um, that, that's a good church to go to, if, if that is true. Uh, here, here's another, I got two more to show you. Um, whoever stole our AC unit, keep it, and it's hot where you're going. Um, that's the Baptist. There's a lot of awes in there. If you don't want him going to hell, go out and reach them for Jesus, right? That's how it works. Uh, here's the last one that I like. Um, cremation is your last chance for a smoking hot body. Come on! <laughs> Some of you guys don't like talking about death. That is hilarious. That is super funny. I might use that at my next, I'm not kidding, I'm not gonna, <laughs> that would not be good. <laughs> oh man, but no, that's, uh, these signs are hilarious and we see them all over Facebook. Um, but there's actually a reason why they do this and the reason they do it is they wanna make sure whoever's reading it, driving by or walking by like we just did, we get a good laugh and we're like, huh, maybe I'll go check out that church, right? 
It's, 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 like, it's, it's like branding one-on-one for churches. Like, how do you get people kind of in tune with what you're doing at your church? And I think it works. I think it's somewhat smart. I mean, we don't have one. Um, but whether it's truly effective or not, I, I really don't know, but they make us laugh. But the reason I want to show you this is something I want to show you that's something very, very important as Christians. Um, they use these signs, just as we use our sign out there, to draw people in our church. And it could work, but the number one tool for people meeting Jesus is you. You can have the most hilarious sign. You can have the coolest, like, Jesus shirt. You could have anything you want, the tracks or whatever. But the number one tool that is Jesus is using to reach the lost for his kingdom's sake is not any of this stuff, but it is, in fact, you. Jesus wants to use you to reach the lost. Many churches have signs. We have one. Many churches have branding. We have branding. Many churches have good-looking pastors. We for sure have one. Um, but no matter, how can you guys like laugh at that one, but you don't laugh at any of my other jokes? That's like, but no matter how many signs or how much rock church branding, events, uh, radio promos, by the way, we are on Rock 101 with our promos. It's kind of cool. Check that out. Uh, posters, uh, all that stuff that tries to get people inside their church doors and into a relationship with God. None of this can replace the best way to reach your neighbor for Jesus, and that is you being an authentic Christian. You are indeed an authentic Christian. At least Jesus calls you to be one. This word authentic is kind of a buzzword that we have today. Um, we have, you know, authentic Mexican food, authentic Chinese food, uh, authentic this, authentic that. And all the word is is just about being real. Are you the real thing? Are you the real deal? And my prayer for us is that we be able to say yes. And so I want, to, I want us to look at this piece of scripture, Acts chapter 1. And where, where we're looking at is a scene where Jesus has resurrected. And this is the specific place is about 40 days after his resurrection. And he's about to ascend to heaven when the disciples are left praying for the 10 days. You guys know your Bible. 10 days, they wait, they pray uh, up in the upper room. And the day of Pentecost happens, the Holy Spirit fills them up. But this is the day that Jesus, the 40th day before he's about to go to heaven. And he's really telling his disciples something very, very important. And even though he's telling his disciples this message, this message is actually for us as well. Let's go ahead and read this together, starting at verse 4. It says this. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them. He says, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised. Remember the Holy Spirit. As I told you before, verse 5, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore the kingdom really quick? The disciples thought this whole time Jesus was there, that they were going to, he was going to restore the kingdom of Israel as kind of the, uh, the big dog during that time. And it wasn't Jesus' mission to do that. And God is trying to really get them to focus in about the big picture of everything, the reason why he came the way he did, the reason he died the way he did. He was trying to say, hey, guys, I need you to tune in here because this this is the reason why I did this. And he tries to get their attention. In verse 7, he says, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. Just a very fancy way of saying, hey, like, tune in here. Verse 8, But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Can you underline that in your notes really quick? It says, You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Everywhere. 
in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Now, that last part right there is really important. Let me kind of put it in modern times. If he was speaking to me, he says, Vaughn, you will be my witness telling people about me everywhere in North Platte, in Nebraska, in the United States, in the world. And so Jesus said, hey, hey, you have a mission. It starts in your community. And if you do it right, there's going to be a ripple effect. Because not only is it going to impact North Platte, it's going to impact Nebraska. But it's not going to stay just in Nebraska. It's actually going to impact the USA. And if it keeps going and everyone gets on board and everyone's being an authentic witness, it will, in fact, impact the world. Do you guys know we have a mission that can change the world as we know it? I mean, do you really know that? We have the life-changing game for the entire world, and it's Jesus Christ. And it's our job to bring them to the world. The thing I want us to notice, there's a lot of things to notice right here in these verses, but the one thing I want us to see is in verse 8, we underlined it in relation of us talking about authentic witnesses. Notice Jesus says, he says, you will be my witness. Not that you will do witnessing. You will be my witness, not that you will do things such as witnessing, not that you will do events that witness, not that you will wear Rock Church t-shirts and hoodies that will witness, not hang up Rock Church posters that will witness. Those are great. That's why we do them. But you will be a witness. Church, if there's anything that you can remember for today, this is kind of the big idea of today's sermon. If you can remember this, it's this. You are a witness. Not that you will do witnessing, but you yourself are a witness. Everyone say, I am. You are a witness. But of who? Well, the Sunday school answer is Jesus. We kind of know that. But I want, I want you to know exactly what is a witness. What is a witness? So here's the definition we're going to be looking for. It's the first point in your notes. This is the definition we're working with is what is a witness to answer that question. A witness is someone who has seen and heard. You'll see this kind of pattern throughout the scripture. Someone who has seen and heard something and communicates his or her experience accurately. Let me read it one more time. A witness is someone who has seen and heard something and communicates his or her experience accurately. Let me show you a couple key witnesses in the Bible. Key witnesses. The big one, Jesus himself was a witness. I believe you can fill that in your notes. Jesus himself was a witness. John 3, 31. I'm reading a portion of scripture with every one of these just to prove to you that these are witnesses. It says, he meaning Jesus, he has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth and we speak of earthly things, but he, Jesus, has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. Verse 32, look what it says. He testifies about what he has seen and what he has heard, but how few believe what he tells them. Jesus was a witness of God. Everything that he saw, everything that he heard, his whole job was to come down to earth and be a witness to the people about his father in heaven. Jesus was a witness. Let me give you a few more. Another one, the shepherds that the angels appeared to after Jesus was born. 
They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was a baby lying in the manger. After seeing them, the shepherds told everyone what happened, and the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all things in her heart and thought of them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all what they had seen and heard, it just as the angels had told them. The shepherds had an experience of God, and told what they have seen and heard. Let me give you just a few more. The disciples of John were a witness. Then he told the John's disciples, go back to John and tell them what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk. Notice a pattern. Last one, Paul, the killer of Christians who got saved and became one of the greatest leaders of Christianity was commissioned with this. Acts 22, 15, he says this, for you are to be his witness telling everyone what you have what? What does it say, church? Seen and heard. And there are many more examples that we can look through, but it tells each one one big thing, and it's this. They tell of what they have seen with their eyes and what they have heard with their ears. And church, that's a witness. A witness is simply just telling everyone what you have seen and heard after your experience with God. Well, Vaughn, I haven't had angels appear to me. You know what? Neither have I. (laughs) I haven't had the audible voice of God. Neither have I. I haven't had a big miraculous event. You know, I, I haven't had a really big miraculous event. I've had some miracles, but not like anything that like you see on like Hollywood, like, oh my gosh, that's for sure God. And many of us, we, we, we don't have those experiences. But there's one experience that you are supposed to tell everyone about, an experience that you know for a fact is the experience of your life before Jesus, when you met Jesus, and what Jesus has done now. That is your experience. It's actually an experience that no one can argue with. I can't argue with your story, with your testimony, with what God did in your life. You can't argue with mine. I know it to be real, but it's an experience that I can tell people what I have seen and heard, and that is your job, church, to tell what you have seen and heard. A witness is someone that tells what they have seen and heard. I mean, we can even put it this way to really show the importance of a witness. Imagine the story with me. You're pulling up to a stoplight. It's red. And then the car is on the right. They got a green light and they keep going. But you notice the truck behind you is not slowing down. And have you guys seen this? They go through the red light and they T-bone a car. Now, you saw the whole thing. You heard the whole thing. And what follows is up to you. Cop pulls up. He says, hey, everyone's okay. Start taking statements. Now, you have a job to do. It's not legally required, but you have a job because you are a what? A witness. But you can do one of two things in this situation. You can either, one, say, no, I don't want any part of this. My job's busy. Uh, I'm just going ahead and drive off. Cops got this. And that would be your legal right to do so. But you also have another option. You can stay and wait, make sure everyone's okay, and then give your account as an eyewitness to help out with the situation. I guess here's my question, church. Write this down if you can. Are you going to be a witness that is silent or a witness that chooses to speak? Because you can do either or when it comes to to you being a witness for Jesus. You are a witness. You can't, you can't get out of that. If you decide to leave that car wreck and keep going, guess what? You're still a witness. You saw everything. You're just a witness that chooses not to speak. 
Just like with your experience with Jesus, are you going to be a witness that says, yes, I'm going to do something, I'm going to help out, or am I going to be a witness that says, uh, I'm just going to be quiet and keep going with the rest of my day? And church, the question, the answer is up to you. Are you going to be a witness that stays quiet? Or are you going to be a witness that chooses to speak? Jesus has already told you that you're a witness, but the question that we have to ask ourselves is, are we going to talk? Are we going to speak? The choice is yours. So that's a witness. We got that sorted out. But there are two things I want us to know about witnessing that I think are very prominent factors when it comes to a witness telling others what they have seen and heard. Remember, the big thing, you are a witness, and your job is to tell people what you have seen and heard. But there are several ways of witnessing that I think I see a lot, especially on Facebook. I see a lot today that aren't very effective. And one of them, and this is the second point in your notes, the thing that I think a lot of us do but it's not effective, is this. A witness doesn't argue. A witness doesn't argue. If you're a witness, you're not gonna argue. Just as that, you pull up to the car accident and you want to speak, guess what? You're not gonna argue with the cop, right? You're just gonna tell what you saw and heard. It's that matter of fact. You're just gonna tell them what you saw and heard, but you're not gonna argue, just like a witness does not argue. Let me put it this way. When you tell someone what you have seen and heard, you don't have to argue. You don't have to fight. You don't have to debate. I mean, it's important to defend your faith and all that. It, it, it's, 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 it's important to know those things. But to be an effective witness, you don't have to learn what happened to the dinosaurs. Trying to convince someone of evolution or creationism. You don't have to have those big debates. You don't have to have those to be an effective witness. Yes, those things are important. And there is a time in life where you need to know the answers to those big questions of your faith. But when it comes to telling people about Jesus, you don't have to know those things. All you have to know is your story and what Jesus did in your life. That's all you need to know to be an effective witness. The greatest witness of all, Jesus, every time he was a witness to someone, notice he doesn't argue with them. He doesn't debate with them. He doesn't fight with them. In fact, he simply, check this out, church, he blesses them. Have you seen that with Jesus? Every time, every time he came in an encounter with someone that did not know him, it, it could have been the worst of the worst, he didn't do anything with them except to bless them. And I think it's a very important rule here, church, to know that when we come with people, when we come across people who are different than us, had different lifestyles than us, had different beliefs than us, our job is not to argue with them, but to bless them. Jesus does it every single time. Just a couple examples in the Bible. The, the biggest one, John 4, uh, where Jesus is a witness to the woman at the well. She had a horrible lifestyle. She had a horrible relationship addiction where she wasn't on her first husband. She wasn't on her second one. Actually, she had five husbands, and the guy that she was shacking up with wasn't, in fact, her husband at all. Jesus knew all of this, and he still blessed her. How do you bless her? He had a life-changing conversation with her. Even Jesus says, he says, I know everything that you've done. I know you had five husbands, and the guy that you're living with isn't your husband. But through the whole story, he has this life-giving conversation about the living water that results in her life being transformed that actually leads into a revival in her community. Jesus didn't argue. He didn't debate. He didn't beat her over the head with her sin. Jesus simply blessed her. And church, that's all we have to do. 
That's all we have to do to those people in our community is just to bless them. In fact, to help you with a witness, here's something to remember. It's called the bless strategy is what this is called. And it's very simple. It's very easy. It's very practical. But I'm just going to let you know um, the bless strategy. This is what it is. Davis, if you want to come up. Here's the bless strategy. B, you can fill this in. B begins with prayer. Simple, right? Begins with prayer. Pray, Pray for what? Actually, pray for the person that you're reaching. Pray for them. Ask God to bless them. Ask ask God to give you a chance to speak some life-giving words into their life. Pray that he'll have an opportunity for you to, to talk to them, maybe do life with them. Any insight God can give you. L just simply means listen to them. Here's one, church. Don't talk all the time. Just be a listening ear. More times than not, people just want to be heard. That's all. And let me tell you, because this will kind of loop back to the very last letter, is that once they're done talking, more times than not, they're going to ask you about you. For an example, here's this, because he's not here in church today. Um, The guy that was texting me on my phone, um, I'm trying to sell my motorcycle. Shameless plug if you want to buy my motorcycle. Um, But I have a gentleman. I don't know if it's the smartest thing to do, but there's a guy at my house right now that is looking at my motorcycle, uh, and he's doing some tuning up with it to fix the carburetor and those things, and he's looking at buying it. And yesterday, he was there for about a couple hours um, working on the deal, and I got to know the kid. And, uh, and I didn't talk to him all that much, really. I noticed the only thing I saw is he had a Montana Grizz hat, which I'm from Montana, so I'm like, okay, this is a good segue. Because by the way, as a Christian, you always want to be intentionally looking out for the opportunity all the time. Yes, he might be buying my motorcycle, but maybe there's a bigger reason he's here. You have to be on the lookout for that, or else you'll miss him completely. So I'm like, oh, are you from Montana? And he's like, oh, no, I was up there for the railroad, and, um, you know, I came down. He's like, you're the first guy that noticed that. I'm like, oh, I'm from Montana, too. And so we just talked about Grizz football for a little bit and started talking about my motorcycle. And keep in mind, this guy, I mean, he is, you know, hardcore through and through. So he's dropping cuss words left and right, and I don't really care. And he starts talking about his personal life. And I didn't ask him about his personal life. He just eventually start talking about it because if you ask the question people will talk he started talking about this and he started talking about how you know he was in love with another woman and then you know he was dating another lady and there's a lot of a lot of mess there's a lot of mess and i wasn't going to share this until i watched a sermon last night that talked about it was it's it's at these points where you as a christian you have a job to either you're going to dig further or you're going to say this is a little messy for me let's talk about the motorcycle again and I've been in these conversations, so I just simply ask, like, why? Why do you feel like that? Why, 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 do you do, why do you do that? And he just talked for, like, a complete hour working on this carburetor, this motorcycle. And I just listened. And now, I, to be honest, I don't know if that helped him at all. I don't know if he walked and said, my life is fixed. I, I doubt he gave his life to Jesus at that time. I didn't do a, a prayer with him or anything like that. I have no idea what that did. But I did tell you what happened at the very end. Towards the very end, he says, hey, uh, so what do you do? Bingo. <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, I'm a pastor. And all of a sudden, the F-bombs turn to something else, <laughs> which they usually do. But he says, you know, we've been, you know, he says, I haven't been in church. I went, I went to church camps growing up. 
I haven't been to a lot of church camps uh, lately. And I said, and he's, my girlfriend and I that I'm living with, we've been trying to find a place. And I said, hey, why don't you come to the Rock Church? Just come in. He's like, well, I've got this problem and this problem, and my mouth isn't the best and all this. And I'm like, you'd fit right in of that church. Because we're all good here on Sunday mornings, but I've talked to you throughout the week. So I said, hey, just, just, just come to our church. And I don't know if he's going to show up. I don't know if he's going to have a huge miracle in his life. But I do know is when you're looking out for God to allow you to be an authentic witness, God is always giving you opportunity, but you got to be intentionally looking for it. And so you just got to simply listen. Listening to someone does wonders for them. Don't talk to them. The third one is this, E is for eat food. That's my favorite one. Um, there's something about conversation over coffee or over the dinner table that just lets their guard down. You see Jesus all the time eating with someone when something major happens. S simply means serve them, find a way to help them out. It could be helping out with a chore, dropping a basket of cookies by, maybe like watching their kids. Uh, once you get to know them, do life with them, you'll know how to serve them. S is lastly, and this happened kind of really fast yesterday with the young gentleman, is to share your story. Again, you don't need to go out of your way to share your story. If, if you let them talk enough and you're a good listening ear, they'll want to know about you. There's been a lot of times where I just listen and they want nothing about me. And that's fine. But I've more times than not, I just want to know about them. And all it comes down to, hey, well, I've talked a lot about myself. What about you? And that is your opportunity, church. That's the blessed strategy. It, it, it's, it's so, so easy. It's, it, you see it all the time in the scripture, and it's very effective. But more times than not, many of us use the talk strategy. And I, I want you to don't talk at people. Talk meaning this T is you talk to them. A, then you argue with them. L, then you get really loud in your voice. And K, then you kick them when they're down. all the time. And let me tell you, this is not the way to be an authentic witness. When we witness, we don't need to argue. I think when we argue is because we get so hung up on the person's beliefs or lifestyle, politics, uh, if they drink or if they live with their boyfriend or girlfriend, if they're pro or against, while the whole time we forget that Jesus actually died for this person. And when we meet these people, we get so shocked or offended. By the way, Christians, we do not have the right to be offended. We gave that right up when we get in a relationship with Christ. That's actually in the Bible. We cannot get offended. But we get so shocked at the sin in people's lives. But every time I read scripture, do you notice who I see with Jesus? Jesus is never shocked with people's sins. Not once. Not once. He's like, oh my goodness, like, oh, cover that up. Don't tell me about, oh, I'm offended. I don't want to see that here. This is church. You, you shouldn't be dressing like that. Not once did Jesus do that. And so I have to say, if Jesus never got shocked at the sin in people's lives, so then why should I? Jesus was never offended at people's sins, so why should I? In fact, it's almost as if Jesus knew that those who don't have a relationship with Jesus naturally sin. 
Newsflash, scripture says when you're born into this world, since we're out without Jesus, we are natural sinners. Let, let me put it this way. Dogs naturally bark. Cats naturally meow. Sinners do what? Naturally sin. It's what happens when you don't have Jesus to tell you or convict you what's right and what's wrong and what's better for you. And so when we go through this, this world or in our community, let me, let, me, let, me, let me ask you to do this. Don't get so up in a roar about their lifestyle because they don't know Jesus. They don't have the Holy Spirit to tell them, hey, you're out of bounds here. We do. And it's a very good thing that we have it. And our job is to lead them into a conversation that actually has a relationship with Jesus and that they, in fact, can get changed. I have sat at the table with some very interesting people and got to know that. I have friendships that those who are in the LGBT community, those who have felonies and have done hard time, different political beliefs, lifestyles, those who vastly think different or behave than what I do. And each time I have an opportunity to be with them, I have to remind myself, Jesus, you died for this person. Help me to see them as you see them. Help me to, to see the love that you had for them. Because guess what? Jesus knows past, present, and future. This does not catch him off guard. So there has to be a reason why Jesus says, yes, even they were worth it. And I think Jesus helped me to see that. And just to throw this out there, please listen to this. It's really hard to witness to someone when you get on Facebook and you post anti-whatever on your page thinking you're doing kingdom good and thinking that person's going to read that post and be like, oh my, I'm going to be changing myself right now. That doesn't happen. And it doesn't work out. I, had, I, I, I learned that lesson. I never learned the value of my words, what I post, how I treat a person until I became a youth pastor and was a witness to students as young as sixth grade. Because let me tell you what they were used to. They were used to people older than telling them, hey, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be looking at that. You shouldn't, do, do you know what the Bible says, young lady, young man? And then you'll get, I find a Facebook meme and you'll tag their name in it. And, it's, and it says on there, like, you should not do this and this because of what the Bible says. Thinking you're doing good in that life. Let me tell you, when you tell someone not to do something, you know what they're going to do? Parents, we know that lesson. Everyone knows that. If you're not going to tell me not to do something, I'm going to do it. And so I had to learn the value of my words. When, when someone would come to me and say, Pastor Vaughn, uh, I'm struggling with same-sex attraction. I have to tell my mind, Jesus died for this person. Jesus, help me to see this young man as you see them. And let me tell you, it's a very dangerous prayer because then your heart will start breaking for things that you never thought they would break about. Because now I no longer see a, a young man who's rebellious and struggling with same-sex attraction and, um, you know, just runs away from house and just fails at school. I, I don't see it. I, I instead, I see, I see a, a young boy who doesn't have a father figure in their life. A one that his mother has been in prison since he was a baby. A young man that when his mom got out, went immediately back to drug dealing. A young man that he had to get up every single day to take care of his little brothers and sisters, get them to school on time. I mean, this boy was in seventh grade, people. And I would see all these things. I'm like, oh, no wonder you're like this. 
I would be the, probably the same way if I was in that life circumstance. And instead on Facebook and social media saying, oh, this is what you need. I said, you know, I don't even post on that anymore. If you, if you look at my Facebook, I don't post a lot of things. But I go to the person and I say, hey, man, how can I help? Like, I'm going to pray for you. And you know what? He, he just needed a listening ear. I listened to him all the time. Some days I didn't want to listen to him, if I can be honest. Like, dude, I told you to stop doing it. You're not doing it. Like, just stop it. The Lord says, hey, no, 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 no. I died for him. You need to listen. And that's the same kid that I shared, uh, I think, six months ago that he sent me an Instagram story saying, saying, Vaughn, I'm so glad that you were there. You know, this is why this is important. We wouldn't have had the life transformation like in the youth group if I would argue and try to throw the book at them, but instead we got to know their story and develop a relationship with someone. I know this is really kind of it's scary, but in order to have life transformation with someone, you have to have a relationship with them first, which means you're going to have to get in their messy life. And you, it might cause you to be uncomfortable. It might be a little weird. You might find out things that they do, they believe in, are vastly different than yours. But you need to have a relationship first with them. And be in the middle of their mess with them. I got one more point. Not quite related, but it's still true. Witnessing takes place in the most unexpected places. I told you the story of the young man fixing it on my motorcycle. Hopefully he didn't steal it. Um, uh, I think I've got the title. But I mean, it was, a, it was a, I'm trying to sell something. And it turns into a time of Jesus. How does that work out? And while I have this story in my life, you each have a story in your life that God has put in there, someone who's far from Jesus. God's saying, why don't you bring him closer to me through a friendship with you and him or you and her? Church, you are called to be an authentic witness. You don't have to argue and expect to be a witness. You don't have to argue, but expect to be a witness in the most unlikely places with the most unlikely people and get ready to watch God to do a cool thing through you and their lives. That's what you're called to be, an authentic witness. Just be real. You don't have to fake. You don't have to conjure it up. You don't have to be, you know, happy, happy, joy, joy, peppy, whatever, and oh, like you're on high on caffeine, like, you need to know Jesus. But you can say, man, like, how's life? How's it going? So that is the gist of my message. It's a very hard landing, I know. But I, I, just, I, just, I just feel like we need to, to do this. God has placed someone in your life to reach out for. And the question for you to answer is, are you going to be a witness that chooses to speak and intervene and help out? 
or are you going to be a witness that chooses to be silent and really ineffective? I can't make you do either or. My job is just to equip you. But we have an event come up that is prime time to bring someone to church. An event for that you don't have to know a lot of scripture. You don't have to know all your theology. All you have to do is say, hey, I was thinking about you and I think you might enjoy this. Would you come and just be my guest with me? And just leave, you don't even have to tell him the dude's a Christian. You just bring him, like he will bring his Christiany with him. But this, this, this is a prime time for you, church, to be an authentic witness. So can we pray? Can we bow our heads, close our eyes?